Good morning, church. Good to be here this morning. My favorite place to be is in church with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And again, happy Mother's Day. Um, it is, when I, whenever I think about um, moms and, and Mother's Day, I don't think about only um, my mom. Uh, I think about my daughter. I think about um, my wife. I, I think about my mom. I think about my sisters. And I even think about church moms and, and my church sisters because uh, in, in the way that God has made women unique, they just have such a nurturing way, such a mothering way, and it is totally different than interacting with guys. And I like interacting with guys, but the way um, women... Uh, those that are mothers or those that just kind of nurture in that mothering way. Uh, it's such a blessing. It is so, so necessary. Uh, my daughter often speaks to me as if she's my mother, and so does my wife. And obviously, my mom still continues to do that. And uh, it's actually necessary whether I like it all the time or not. <laughs> we so appreciate you guys. If you saw, if you were here a couple of minutes before the service, one of the uh, things that you may have seen on the screen is, is quiet time. Let's prepare our hearts for worship. Um, so uh, we try our best to have all kind of venues for us to be able to interact and fellowship and socialize, and that is super important for us as a body. We want to know each other. We want to have deep relationships with each other, but what we're asking is when we come into the sanctuary, uh, first thing before service, that we would, um, like my parents used to say, use your inside voice. Start to prepare your heart for worship and for us to uh, gather together as saints because it's such an important time. And then when we leave church, as we're leaving, as we go over to uh, the lodge where we fellowship together, then you could get a little bit louder. You can um, have a, a cup of coffee. You can uh, run a lap around the lodge if you like. But um, that's why um, that's there. So today, I'm going to be speaking a message uh, out of 1 Samuel chapter 1. So if you don't mind, turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to start reading at verse 4. But just to, to lay um, out the, the book of 1 Samuel uh, during um, that period and, and right before that period was the time of the judges. And we know that, uh, that Israel was enslaved in, in, in Egypt, and, and Moses uh, took them out of Egypt with the strong hand of God, uh, guiding them there. And then Joshua brought them into the promised land, and after Joshua... Uh, it was a period of time of the judges. And, and when uh, that period of time took place, um, Israel was in dire straits um, because they lacked godly leadership often. The priesthood 
was defiled. And uh, the Bible tells us that in that time that the word um, of the Lord uh, wasn't uh, there often. Uh, the word, the prophetic message uh, was not there. The law of Moses was being ignored throughout the land, as it was often in Israel's history. But then, as God does, God started to solve this problem. It, there was a new season, and often when he does that, he sends a baby, right? So when Moses was put on the water, God sent a baby to deliver his people. Um, when Samson came about and was set aside as a Nazarite, when um, obviously Jesus came, he came as a baby. And this story speaks about Samuel and him coming as a baby. God knew what their needs was, and he birthed someone to go and be about his business. And often the arrival of a baby ushers in a new beginnings and new life and, and something that God is doing. That's why when we that have children have them, we have such a hope and an expectation of how God is going to use them and what he's going to do in and through their lives. So we see this also with Elizabeth. We see this with um, her and John the Baptist and it being promised and, and, and with Mary. So we have this story in 1 Samuel. And what happens is this, this priest marries a woman. And, and it appears that she could not give him children, so he takes on another wife. So he has two wives at this time, and the second wife uh, has multiple children. And every year they would go and worship at the tabernacle, and they would sacrifice, and they would have a meal. And it was supposed to be a joyous time, but for Hannah, that wasn't the case. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. So if you don't mind, as we always do, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? And then we will get into the message. So it says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting at um, verse 4, when Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he, was always, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife. Penina, and to each of her sons and daughters. But he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her. And even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving, her, her rival taunted her severely just to provoke her because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Year after year, when she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way. Hannah would weep and would not eat. Hannah, why are you crying? Her husband, Elkanai, would ask. Why won't you eat? 
Why are you troubled? I, am I not better to you than ten sons? On one occasion, Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh. The priest, Eli, was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me and give your servant a son. I will give to, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and his hair will not be cut. While she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, and, and though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. No, my Lord, Hannah replied, I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been, pour, I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman, woman. I've been praying from the depths of my anguish and resentment. Eli responded, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant the request you've made of him. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went away. She ate and no longer looked despondent. The Lord, the, the next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. Afterwards, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her after some time. Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she said, I requested him from the Lord. When Elkanai and all his household went up to make an annual sacrifice of his vow offering to the Lord, Hannah did not go and explain to her husband, after the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and stay there permanently. Her husband, Elkanai, replied, do what you think is best and stay here until you've weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. So Hannah stayed there and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him with her to Shiloh, as well as a three-year-old bull, half a bushel of flour and a clay jar of wine. Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house in Shiloh. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Please, my Lord, she said, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked him for, now I give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then he worshiped the Lord there. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, because as we read how you interact with your people, we're able to glean principles for how we are to live. We're able to see your character, who you are as our God, as our creator, as the one who hears us when we pray. 
But we ask that we would be able to walk away after hearing your words of truth with a different heart, with more confidence in who you are, being in more of all of you as God and us as your children. So would you do a work in us this day? In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So one of the lessons that uh, we've learned in life and we need to continually have confirmed in our heart is that uh, the way we started um, is not as important as the way we finished. It's, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Hannah had a rough start. And sometimes the roughest of starts end up having the most beautiful finishes. But that happens in our lives when we intersect with Jesus Christ. One of the things that I often think about when I think about my life, when I consider the lives of, of the work I've seen God do in other people's lives is how he gives beauty for ashes. Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair, and they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. Wow. We, we've heard the beginning of that text. We've heard that Jesus came out of the wilderness from the temptation with the devil and he went to his hometown, and when he went to his hometown, he took the scrolls and he stood up in the synagogue, and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing while standing in that synagogue. Wow. It is through Christ that rough starts can have beautiful finishes. When we think about this story with Hannah and how important it was in that day to have children and how children were seen as such a blessing from God as they are now, Hannah's name means woman of grace, and she was fervent in worship. She was effective in prayer. And she even followed through in her commitment, which was a hard thing that she had said. It's funny because when, when we read the story, it says that she was deeply hurt. 
Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. And then she made a vow saying, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction and remember and not forget me, I will give your servant and give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. Wow. One of the things that we see here is that God hears and answers prayers. It's funny because when we could think about what was going on there, one of the things that John Bunyan said is, in prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. How we pray matters. If we're praying in, in a mechanical way because this is something that we just think we need to do in terms of religious exercise, are we really speaking to God? Is he hearing us? When we pray with fervency, when we pray with believing, when we pray because we want to be intimate with God, we want to worship him. We want for him to hear us and him and knowing that he is the one who could change our situations. It, it, it matters. When she prayed, she prayed these prayers that were born in sorrow and suffering. Often when, when we pray, oh, we're, we're praising the Lord, we're spending time with him, but there are times when we pray with, with deep hurts that are inside, and, and we may have come to the Lord with those things again and again. And, and we see in this story, as she prayed, and, and her lips were moving, but no sound was coming out, the priest there viewed her as someone that was drunk. At times, the way that people assess us is, is wrong. She, she was there coming before the Lord with all her heart and all her situations. And her, the response she gets from the priest is, Stop drinking. We, we, we need to be careful the way we speak to one another. But instead of taking offense or at least her clarifying the situation, he didn't apologize, but he blessed her and he sent her on her, her way. And over time, what she prayed for came about. There's times when, when we pray for things and, and we almost kind of make a, like what we think is a deal with God. Hey, God, if you do this, then like I'll, I'll do that. And, and I don't think that's what's happening here, but she's praying and, and she desires a son. And some kind of way God put on her heart that this would take place because even her walking away from the situation, I don't think it was uh, because of what Eli said to her, she had some confirmation. So she went and she ate and she went away 
joyous. And over time, God gave her what she prayed for. Now, now when I thought about that, and, and once she had that baby in her hands, and now she's weaning this baby, and there's a bond that a parent would have with their child, particularly a mother, and she promised, I'm going to give them back to the Lord. Wow. She gives them back to the Lord. He's probably finished being weaned at about three years old. And she could have walked away crying after she gave that baby up. But actually, it tells us in the second chapter that she prayed a prayer. And it started, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is filled up by the Lord. And then for 10 verses, it just goes into her worshiping God after she gives her baby to the priest, to the Lord, turns around and walks home. Warren Wisby said, the world doesn't understand the relationship between sacrifice and song. How God's people can sing their way into a sacrifice and sacrifice their way into a song. So, so, so in other words, because God has done a work in, in our heart and we sing a song to him, that could bring us to the place where we say, God, everything that I have belongs to you. And, and we can come to a place where once we do that act and given all that we can give, whatever that thing may be, that God would put such a song in our hearts. And then she, the scripture tells us that every year she would bring him a new robe. So, so she maintained ties with him, and she watched him as he grew from a distance. The, the text tells us that Samuel served in the Lord's presence. This mere boy was dressed in a linen ephod. So, uh, and that's what priests wore. So imagine every year she would come and see her son there, and he was a priest doing God's work from he was a baby. And then she would turn around and, and go home from there. So it says that each year her mother made him a little robe and took it to him and when she went with her husband and offered the annual sacrifice, Eli would bless Elohim and his wife. May the Lord give you children by this woman in the place of the one she gave, that she gave to the Lord. And then they would go home. And the Lord paid attention to Hannah's need. And she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile... The boy, Samuel, grew in the presence of the Lord. One of the things that we need to know and embrace is God always rewards obedience. 
It, it, it may be hard for us to sacrifice. We, it may be hard for us to keep our word. And, and let me tell you, when she made that commitment to the Lord before that baby came, it's one thing to say something before you're in a position to do it. But once you're in a position to do it and to follow through with it, that was a big deal. And God honored that. But if we want, looked at the text earlier, it said it's the Lord that kept her from conceiving. Sometimes we go through seasons of desiring something, something good, something that you may see in other people's lives. And you say to yourself, God, what are you doing in my life in this situation? God withheld opening her womb because he was doing a work in her heart, all the way to the degree that she trusted God so much that she says, if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And receiving that child, he blessed her womb, and she had multiple children, and then was able to continue to watch Samuel and who he became at a desperate time in just what Israel needed and how God was going to use him. Wow. The story um, really starts to unfold when we understand the comparison of who Samuel had become what kind of household he came out of, who Hannah was as a woman of prayer and trusting God, and the priest that was in charge of the tabernacle at that time. The priest at that time was Eli, and Eli had two sons. And when you read the account in chapter 2 about Eli's son, and what they were doing in the temple, it was basically like they were being gangsters in the temple. They, people would come and bring their offering and they would, to the Lord, and they, would, they deserved a portion of that. And it was a prescribed way for them to do that because God was going to take care of his people. So he was going to provide for the priests but they took whatever they wanted. And they told the people, this is what we're going to do. And if they didn't agree, they manhandled them and took it. And Eli watched his sons do this. And although he addressed them, he did not address them the way he should have. So you have this scenario going on in this house, and even the faith it took for this man and this woman to leave their child behind. Because even though the wife made a vow, it was in Levitical law, if the husband would have said, God, she made a mistake. We're revoking that vow. He was in the position to do that. So he did not. He was in agreement with what she did. So they're putting their child in this situation knowing that the priests and his sons are not serving the Lord properly. 
it, it, it makes me think about those of us that have children knowing that we are looking to prepare them the best they can, and they'll be stepping outside into the world, and, and we have to, at that point, trust God. I've, I've learned to trust God in this season with my children and who they are and, 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 and who they're going to become. I've learned to trust God more than any other time in my life because Sometimes we trust God in our own lives after we're saved because we stay within certain parameters as his children. And we start to trust that umbrella of security more than God. But there was a time when we were out there wilding out and acting up and God kept us. So when we have our children growing and developing and finding themselves in these situations, and we're looking at it from a distance. Sometimes we're thinking to ourselves, like, God, why, why are they going through that? What, what are they doing? And we have to learn to trust God and the process that he's allowing them to go through. And, and knowing that he is good. And we see it from their young, and as they start getting to that place where they leave, and now it's really nothing you can say. Whew. That's where that trust really has to kick in. So he's watching as her son is off being in this situation, but God had Samuel's heart and raised him up to be the last judge in Israel, a priest and a prophet. And that came from that mother's prayer. So often we, we want to be center of attention, or we think the things that we are doing is just like Brother Ray said, or not being seen. God sees, and God knows. And it's all of these behind-the-scene things. It's, it's Hannah coming before the Lord saying, God, touch your maid, servant, Open my womb, Lord. I'll give that child back to you. And all we, though we think about Samuel and, and all the different things that he did, we, we need to recognize like where that starting place was. We need to recognize what, what happens when, when we approach God because it's not only like for us, and what our needs were. And, and, and a, in a real way, she felt deficient not having a child. And she was antagonized with another woman that was in her household with multiple children, and not just um, that being the reality of the situation, but flaunting it and, and, and doing things to her to agitate her. All of that God used. 
All of that, God was building something. So in our own lives, when we have those things come into our lives, just the recognition, no, God is at work. God does hear me. The small things that I do matter. And God uses all of these things. When I um, was thinking about uh, this message and, and how it's, it's universal, it's, it's not for women, it's, it's for us all. But what it is to be um, a woman and often feeling unappreciated, like the kind of things that go on that people just take for granted, that it's just supposed to be that way, whether you're a mom or not. And when I think about all that uh, women in my life are mean to me and, and just the struggles that moms have, some of them are really struggling. Some of them have great joy in raising their children. Um, some of them... Uh, are remembering children that may have died or pregnancies that were miscarried, uh, some of them thinking about their own moms and, and how some mothers chose to give up their children for adoption, and even those mothers that have taken on other children that were adopted and, and loved them. And just the experience and the frustration where we see what's going on in, in this country and even the fight for um, this abortion situation. And, and then there's other mothers that I, I want to get pregnant and not able to when they're infertile. And then we see these unwanted children and then there's those that never even wanted children. There are women that, I never wanted children, and that's fine. But they have this nurturing way about them, and they contribute to the world as a woman in the church, in their neighborhoods, in other people's lives. That is still a level of mothering, whether it be with colleagues or mentoring people or Others that just have these needs. And, and then mothers, they also reminds us of those that their mothers already have gone on before them. It's all of these things. So often we celebrate mothers and, hey, we know this is tireless effort. And often, like, like Hannah, petitioning and doing, and it's like, is this ever going to be a result? Does God even see? Does he hear me? But he does. And he is moving. And he is at work. So today, as we um, honor unyielding love and care that women give, in a mothering type of way, and what it is to be a woman. You know, for, for us, this is like a new uh, season 
um, in our lives where we have like adult children and, and then we also have a teenager. Um, and this is the first time that my wife, that she's working here at the church, that she's worked outside of, of the home. And just like how all of that has changed and what it was for her to be in a home always busy, always at work, so necessary, and then to, to kind of change at, at this stage of life and, and being kind of like a mothering type person to the church. Like, there's so many different ways that we are mother, even those that desire one day to be mothers that are younger still have those kind of of tendencies and care and nurturing. What, what a beautiful, beautiful thing. I ask you to, to stand so that I can pray for you. And what I would ask is, as we go into the lodge, that we just celebrate the women of the church, mothers and those that our mothering and what all of those things mean to us because um, so much of what God does in our lives is those small things, those behind-the-scenes things, what it meant for Hannah to pray that prayer, what it meant for Hannah to go there every year and bring a coat a little bigger than the one she brought the year before, and to speak into Samuel's life, one that God was going to use in a mighty way. Um, there are prophets in the Bible. There are priests in the Bible. But for someone to be the last judge, because he was the one that would anoint the next two kings, both Saul and David, to be the last judge, to be a priest, and to be God's prophet, and to know that it was this woman that God used uh, to bring that about and to nurture him. And even as we nurture either our adult kids or other people in the church or in our community, that all looks different. So her interaction with him wasn't like a typical mother-son interaction, but it was very important. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the way that men and women are different. We thank you as we consider the unique qualities of a woman, Lord, and what that means in every one of our lives, men and women alike. It just shows how you as creator are so wise, are so good, that you make things of such beauty. Thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, Lord, as we've considered every one of these categories, things that may bring a sense of loss or pain, things that bring celebration 
thing that, things that may even bring a little bit of insurity. Place all of those things in your care, Lord. Knowing that those that have gone on before you that are in the Lord, we will see them again. Knowing the high call that you've placed on the life of women and how you prescribe they walk that out. Knowing what you've done in the lives of mothers and grandmothers and how you use them, how you use church mothers and church sisters. We place all of those things before you, Lord. We thank you in your goodness, Lord, that you've brought your Son, God Almighty, through the womb of a woman to save those that you have called to die on that cross, O oh God, to live a perfect life, to be resurrected, to be sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, O oh God. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that as we even consider these things and how you bring about generation after generation through the union of a man and a woman, Lord. And what we're called to do, passing on our faith to the next generation, but knowing that it is you, God Almighty, who takes hearts of stone and replaces them with hearts of flesh. Thank you, Lord. So even as we consider this, we pray for lost loved ones, for children that are struggling, Lord. For parents that may be getting older that we're caring for now. That sometimes the tables turn and a daughter needs to become a mother to her mother. But just like Hannah, it is you, O oh God, that gives beauty for ashes, that brings about joy, even in some situations that are, make us feel sorry. We ask that you would help us to celebrate your creation and womanhood and motherhood, Lord. Not just today, but every day. Because they are part of the Imago Dei. They, they are the image of God. You tell us to celebrate all image bearers, Lord. Help us to respond in a loving way, in an appreciative way, recognizing you as creator and all that you've done, how you've made us different, how necessary that is for us all. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, family.